Hey everybody, it's Kelly Wilkness and I'm here with Anita Joyce and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks. I am beyond thrilled that we are bringing you a very special guest today. Not only does this person have a lot of wonderful things to share with you, but she is one of my dearest of dearest of dearest lifelong friends. And you know, Decorating Tips and Tricks is all about terrific tips, fabulous finds, and endless inspiration. And today, our guest has that all rolled into one special person. Uh... Our guest is an artist, an entrepreneur, a vintage lover, a gardener, a mom, and a cancer slayer, and you are going to love spending time with her. I am so thrilled and honored to be introducing to you to my friend, Jill Fagan. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So nice to be here with you today, and I would be happy to be absolutely anywhere with you. Except maybe an epic yard sale because you spot all the good stuff first. So other than that, as a lot of you might remember, a few episodes ago, I shared Jill's NYC Botanics Relief Bomb as a crush. And the response was overwhelming. Uh, People wanted to know more. People wanted to contact Jill. And they did. And she's talked to several of you. And so it got me thinking, what a better time to connect our listeners with Jill. It's certainly a time when we could all use a bit of hope and inspiration, and that is what she embodies, and that is what her products bring to you, but that is what her story brings to you. So today we're going to talk about Jill, what she's been through, what she's going through, her businesses, her the plant that saved her life, decor, gardening, and Hopefully, she won't disclose any of the thousands of embarrassing stories that she knows about me, because as you'll probably learn as the episode goes on, we have known each other since we were 16 years old. So we've gone through a lot together. So she knows a lot of dirt on me. I promise not to talk about the little green dress. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all her, uh, her all her dirt is not in her garden, let's just uh-huh. say. <laughs> That's true. And then at the end of the interview, Anita will pop back in and we'll do our crushes and hot topic and list her question like we normally do. Um, So without me gabbing anymore, let's turn to Jill and kick off with a question. When you think of yourself, Jill, what comes to mind? First and foremost, single mother, um, creator, artist, lover of nature, and scientist, which is surprising. Okay, so let's start with the the artist part. Um, the owner, designer at Jillery, J-I-L-L-E-R-Y. Um, we started off making jewelry, then um, went to housewares, and then back to jewelry, and now it's a little bit of both. We sold my jewelry along with all these fabulous vintage finds that we'll be talking about. Jewelry, okay, obviously destined to be your business. It's punny. <laughs> it's punny. It is. It's fabulous. So uh, tell everybody how jewelry came to be and, wh- and what is jewelry. I mean, it's not just a lot of different types of jewelry in a sense. There is one specific iconic jewelry material. So explain a little bit about that. Yep. So in every piece I designed, we use recycled aluminum. 
Um, as you know, Kelly, from helping me at my trade shows many years ago, aluminum is really lightweight and it never tarnishes. So it's a really fabulous uh, material to work with. Um, it all began when, let's see. So I graduated from NYU film school during the middle of a writer's strike. So there was no film business. Um, and I, as this article in Women's Wear Daily said, I turned my craft to cash. Um, <laughs> I always made jewelry for a little extra money. And maybe, Kelly, you can uh, tell the listeners about oh uh, how I used to sell in uh, Sag Harbor in your mom's store, Flare Looms. Um, I think we were like 16, 17 years old and we were walking up and down the streets of the village of Sag Harbor and I was I sold to about three or four shops. Exactly. My mom still has the OG pairs of earrings that, that you had in the store. Oh, yeah. Yes. I had a little cute little hat box that I used to mm -hmm. carry all the samples in. Um, so I always made jewelry and that was very beaded, beaded jewelry and um, very different. It didn't have the aluminum. So one day I was walking down at St. Mark Street in New York where people used to put out blankets and sell all their different little knickknacks. And I found a piece of aluminum and it was in the shape of a S and it was 25 cents, 50 cents. And it had a little drilled hole in it already. And at that time, my, um, I only had one hole in my ear. The other one had closed up. So I used to wear just one earring. And so I thought, oh, this would be a fabulous earring. So I bought that little piece, put a little ear wire on it, started wearing it. And then I started making different versions of it. One big earring. Um, everyone kept stopping me. Where'd you get that? And my mother's friend said, wow, that's fabulous. I want that. But I need something for the other ear. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have to match, but I need something. So then I made like a little squiggly stud for the other ear. And I started out with a line of asymmetrical earrings. Um, so um, I would just walk around the village and store owners would ask me, where did you get them? Can you make them for the store? Um, I did this little street fair with my jewelry. And the buyer from Barney's came by and said, can you come in for a meeting on Monday? Okay, that and still makes me like get goosebumps when you I, that you tell me that story. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, very early on, I had my wares in Barney's. Um, and as, a, as a as a young artist, though, that's just a, a, so amazing. You're creating this. I can't even imagine like how you felt in that moment, and you realizing it's the buyers from Barney's. Like, ah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, when you're you're just I was in, what was I like twenty one, twenty two. If that, yeah. If that, yeah. And so, yeah, so before you know it, I had my own case in Barney's. Um, this was before I did any trade shows. So once I started doing the trade shows, that's where I started selling to boutiques all over the country, museum shops and galleries, um, Macy's. I had a huge case in Macy's with my name on it. We were in about 16 stores. Um, I, I actually don't really think I understood the magnitude of it while I was in it. I <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That sometimes happens in life, but yeah. But yeah, I hope you are enjoying it and have enjoyed it <laughs> throughout the years because it's pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So um that was that was before you knew it, like after I would say after 
two or three years, I had 14 employees. And everything, everybody should know, everything was handmade. In fact, you turned away Walmart and QVC. Um, and as you know, I was in many yes. magazines, and oh. so were you. I remember <laughs> we were at Carmelita's Reception Lounge uh-huh. on 14th Street, and were spotted wearing the jewelry. Before you know it, next week, you're in Women's Wear Daily wearing my jewelry. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? Yeah. That was awesome. Good then- night dancing the night away and got to be in the newspaper the next week. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then from that, you know, more stores would call me. So um, yeah, that was a really, it was a nice business. And, um, you know, then and I it opened- it still a- is. What's that? Yeah. 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 I uh, opened a store because I- Started to sell to some discount stores like TJ Maxx, and we had Daffy's. They're no, they're no longer around. But my galleries and my high-end stores were saying, Jill, if you're going to sell to these closeout stores, we can't carry your line. So it's like, hmm, what do I do with all this extra uh, jewelry we were making? And if you know, some of my employees made it in the wrong color, then we had nothing to do with it. So I opened up my first store. Is was like an outlet for jewelry. Um, and then of course I couldn't help, but starting to put some of my vintage finds in the store, um, and then kept shopping for more and more vintage. And so my store became jewelry plus all my favorite vintage finds. So here we are, we've got jewelry rolling along and, um, life, you know, cruising along, you've got a house out in Sac Harbor, and then you have a baby, and Ike is on the scene, and along comes 2012, and you've got some life-altering news. Yeah, so um, I had not been feeling well for three and a half years before I got that life-altering news. And I was misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed time and time again. And uh, my doctor kept telling me I should go see a psychologist. And so it was anxiety. It was in my head. I'm like, no, it, it's really not. And um, yeah, I finally got diagnosed with stage four neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. So I just want to let everyone know, um, make some awareness to neuroendocrine cancer. My type of cancer is the same kind that Steve Jobs and Aretha Franklin died from, called neuroendocrine. And most people will just say, well, they had pancreatic cancer. Well, there's a difference. 95% of the people with pancreatic cancer have adenocarcinoma. 5% have neuroendocrine, which is what I have. Um, Yeah, so that was really like getting hit in the face with a brick. my prognosis was not good. The time it was diagnosed, it was in my pancreas, my liver, and my lymph nodes, so throughout my body. Um, and they were talking palliative care, and that was not acceptable. I had a young child. He was seven years old. I'm a single mother, and I had to figure this out. So no stone went unturned to figure out how to survive this or thrive this. Um, and that is exactly what you're doing, thriving this. Because I, when I think about you as a survivor, I said that survivor is a wonderful word, but you're doing 
even more than that because you're you're a fabulous mom and you're still running jewelry and now you have a brand new business and not only a business but you're helping so many other people that are not only suffering from cancer but other types of of chronic illnesses or painful illnesses and so i i just thought it was so important to introduce everyone to you because you know finding the hope in your story is amazing because you weren't given any hope when you were told what the diagnosis was and you turned this whole thing around so why don't you tell everybody sort of like you know, what you did that really changed the prognosis so I did several things up until I found the thing that started to work and eventually did work. Um, I was very interested in cannabis. Um, I had seen a YouTube video of someone who cured an autoimmune disease, lupus, with raw cannabis. So raw cannabis does not get you high. You just juice it. But I did find um what we'll call a tincture some little some drops um as soon as i got out of the hospital i was in the hospital a couple of times and this last the last time i was in the hospital i was on my deathbed my organs were shutting down and i did go home and i was very weak but someone from california had sent me this tincture and i started the drops little droplets under my tongue and rebounded very quickly. I started to feel better. And the next time I had a scan, there was a little bit of shrinkage, very little. The doctors didn't think much of it, but I knew, I knew there was something to it and it was working. Um, so I kept it up. I kept doing these drops and, um, you know, then I, I had a tumor that was very large growing out of my neck. So this was a new tumor and it was doom and gloom. And the doctor said, listen, I can radiate it, but you're going to lose your ability to speak and eat. And that's pretty much what she offered me. Um, but instead of doing that, I went on higher concentrations of the cannabis. Um, within two weeks, the tumor was gone. I mean, gone. Not only did it shrink, it was gone. Um, I got a radiology report that said I had it surgically resected, which I never had surgery. And they said they, they couldn't think of any other reason why it would disappear so quickly. After that uh, disappeared, I literally sort of saved myself. Um, they put me on more cytotoxic chemo, so chemo that made me very, very sick. Um, and I remained stable for three and a half years on this chemotherapy along with the, the cannabis or the CBD and the THC. But I kept taking different ratios. And one, one time I read a study and um, the study was on rats. It was preclinical, but they happened to be taking the same chemotherapy I was taking. So I said, why don't I mimic this study and take the ratios that these rats are having good luck with? And my very next scan, it showed 20% shrinkage after having stability for three and a half years. Well, I knew. I knew that this was it. And each scan afterwards had more shrinkage and more shrinkage and more shrinkage. Um, until today, they don't 
see any more cancer in my body. And I've been oh. off chemotherapy. Thank you. Thank you. I've been off chemotherapy for three years. And um, it's, it's very hard for me, I'll be honest, to tell that story um, quickly because there's a lot that went into it. Um, but if you watch my video, you'll you'll get more of the details. But yeah, so today, if I have a scan, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering, they could see like residual where the cancer was. But my doctor says if I was at a different hospital and they scanned me, they would not know that I had cancer. Tell us about the beginnings of NYC Botanics. I met a man who was sitting across to me that had brain cancer and we became fast friends. And we were friends for a couple of years. We were like, wow, let's try to make our own medicine because it was very challenging getting the medicine. So we worked for a really long time uh, coming up with these formulas for ourselves. And before you know it, we're starting to help other cancer patients. And uh, we just formed NYC Botanics out of the need of uh, many people, not just cancer patients. Um, people with arthritis, autoimmune diseases, anxiety, inflammation, um, brain ailments, uh, people with breathing problems, the things that CBD is proven to be an anti-inflammatory, an anti-anxiety, a bronchodilator, a neuroprotectant. People are hearing about CBD. It's, it's in the air. People are talking about it. There are products. But I think people might not understand really what it is and how to know when it's the real thing and when it's not. Yeah. So putting CBD on your hair is not going to help you. Buying sheets and pillowcases with CBD is not going to help you. The candles There are aren't... sheets and pillowcases yes. with CBD? Yes. They're putting CBD on everything. It's not going to help you on everything. Um, so if the product is very inexpensive, it's most likely not going to help you. And why I say that is because that is going to be isolated CBD. People will come to me and say, Jill, I found this CBD that's 99.9% .9 pure CBD. And it sounds good, but that is not good. You want this whole plant to get in your body, so many as possible. They synergize together. They belong together. Um, so if you just isolate the compound, it's not going to be as effective and you're going to have to take a lot more, like a lot, lot more to get some benefit. So that's number one. You want a product that is terpene rich. What that means is that it has all the Terpenes are what makes plants smell. All the different parts of the plant to be put back in the bottle. When, when they extract the CBD, you lose a lot of those components. So it's very important for the maker to put everything back together in the bottle. And you want it to be organic and you want it to be extracted healthily. So there's a big difference in products out there. I could make my product cheaper if I was to buy the cheaper raw materials, but I won't. I'm not going to sell anything that I'm not going to put in my own body. So there's a very, very big difference. And it's very tricky to read the labels. 
It's very tricky to figure out if there's organic vegetables in the market or organic products in your grocery store yeah. because there are so many different labels. So yeah, you know, even figuring that out, deciphering all of that, let alone figuring out CBD. So it's so great that you were able to explain all that. And obviously, NYC Botanics does all the right things and you have a really lovely product line it's beautiful packaging first of all because it is the whole experience and you have something in a bomb and you have something in drops and you even have things for pets so why don't you tell everybody about the products that you have in the line yeah so the bomb as you know uh, is extremely effective so in the bomb, obviously, there's the CBD, but then there's all these different essential oils. And they're not in there just to make the amazing smell that the product has. The product smells just unbelievable. So you could put it on your temples um, and on your chest just for that aromatherapy. But the essential oils are in there, again, for that entourage effect. Um, the bomb is a topical. And the beauty about it is it, if it's going to work, it's going to work in 20 to 30 minutes. I kid you not. And I just keep getting phone calls of people like, oh my God, you've changed my life. Like nothing has worked and this is working. Um, And it's not going to cure you, but it's going to give you relief for 12 hours, 24 hours, four hours. You know, it's different for everybody. That's the topical. And so that's like a no brainer. But then the, the drops, I mean, it's good for drops, promote homeostasis in your body. It's very leveling. So you may have a headache. What's causing that headache? You may never know what's causing that headache. CBD can level something out in your body. And if you level out A, that's going to treat B and B is going to treat C and so on and so on. And you may get healed. And what about the pets? Well, so hip dysplasia, when pets are getting older. My, uh, so my aunt's dog, um, is diabetic, um, stopped walking now being on CBD, all she wants to do is run around and walk her gray hair turned black again. Oh, stop it. She's behaving. Oh my God. Wait. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know about that, but there, there's there's another idea for a business. Got to make a mental (laughs) note of that. But yes, so her dog is very old and is also thriving. Oh, for any, um, yeah, anxiety. I've had dogs that were afraid of lightning and that, you know, were just anxious. Right. Um, and they've been helped with CBD, but really like joint issues, anxiety. Um, and interestingly enough, so the, the reason cannabis works in the body is because we have an endocannabinoid system. And again, I can't get too sciencey, but I'm very happy if your listeners want to have a webinar or a Zoom meeting with me. I'm happy to go over all the science. But if you want to do some research, you could look up the endocannabinoid system. Um, we're going to talk with Jill about gardening and her love of vintage and her decorating style. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you about our sponsor. What better sponsor for today than Better Help? online counseling. It's affordable, it's professional, and it's convenient. If anything's interfering with your happiness, something's preventing you from achieving your goals, if you just need someone to talk to, if you're having grief issues, or a myriad of other 
issues that may be impacting your life and affecting your happiness, take advantage of the offer from Decorating Tips and Tricks and and contact BetterHelp. It's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-T-T, and you will receive 10% off your first month. Your counseling is done in the convenience of your own home in the form of communication that works best for you. So again, it's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-T-T, for 10% off your first month. So Jill, you have told us so much. This will be a not only a must listen, but a must listen to again and again interview because I think people are going to be so, first of all, inspired by what you've been through and how you have come out as a thriver and all the things that you've done. I mean, I'm still mm-hmm. hung up on mm-hmm. you know, the Barney's buyer coming to you <laughs> as a young jewelry designer. And then it just, you know, obviously the stakes got a lot higher and the successes got a, a lot better as you went through your life story. And, you know, Aww. as far as I'm concerned, you're just getting started, my girl. So here we are. And our listeners also love decor and gardening, obviously. And Jill has been a gardener. I mean, you know, we've been talking about gardening. We were probably old souls together a long time ago, in addition to, you know, dancing on speakers <laughs> in that green dress that you never let me the forget about. The little green dress that fit in but, your purse. Okay. I'm definitely going to edit that out. Okay. So no. Jill has... It's been an amazing, is, is an amazing gardener. And so I wanted to her to talk a little bit about her garden out in Sac Harbor, what she's growing now, what's in her raised beds. And um, she told me about this tomato and I can't remember the name of it, but she'll explain it to you. And she grew it last year and I think she's trying to grow it again this year. So she's going to give you a tip on that plant. What's not in my raised bed is that amazing tomato plant you were just speaking about. It's called pineapple ground cherry tomato. It's a type of husk tomato, not a tomatilla because those are bigger. It's a little tiny, sweet, sweet tomato that's in this little cute like lantern type husk. And my son who hates tomatoes loves these. And it doesn't grow tall like a tomato plant. It grows, it's a compact plant, like uh, 12 to 18 inches, but it, it grows wide. It goes, it grows wide and these little lanterns, green lanterns, and then as it starts, um, the season starts winding down, they get, um, they turn tan and they fall off. And when they fall off, you collect them off the ground and that's when they're ripe and ready to go. And they are amazing. It's sweet as can be. I'm telling you, even if you don't like tomatoes, you will love these. Um, they are not easy to find. I actually ordered seeds in February and they keep saying they ship, they shipped. I haven't gotten the seeds yet. And um, I cannot find the plants anywhere. I used to get the plant at this very specific farmer's market. And because of COVID, I either, I don't even know if they're open. They were in Manhattan. I'm not there now. I'm out in Sac Harbor. But I cannot find this plant anywhere. And I'm desperately waiting for my seeds. So now is all your landscaping done and you're focusing on your garden now? Because for years you were putting in the, um, the giant hedging materials and things like that. Yeah. So I had uh, these pesky neighbors and um they built a home it's a flag lot so they built this home like right behind me and so I lost all my privacy so um for many many years that's what I was doing putting in evergreens and um I 
it's amazing. I can't see a neighbor. I mean, the screening is unbelievable. I can't believe I'm old enough that these trees are, they're like, you know, 50, 60 feet tall now. It's crazy. Well, there was one time that the moon came out early before the trees had matured. <laughs> um, so can I tell everyone about that a little bit? So sure, as can. explaining, you know, she got there first. This was her house. And then these people built a house behind her. And um, they didn't like Sophie the dog or something. They didn't like something. Or they didn't like the fact that your house was there. Yeah, it was my, my dog who, who barked at their dogs. And their dogs barked at my dog. So we had a mutual problem. But Okay, well, I you gave me permission to tell the the story about when the moon came out. I actually think I was on the telephone with you, although maybe that was just in my mind that that was happening and you told me about it later. But this this woman actually mooned Jill (laughs) through the window of her house. No, no, no. she was out on her back deck. Back on, out on her back, not her back deck. Her front deck is where facing my backyard, she was on the front deck and mooned me and bent over and just stayed there in that position. That doesn't happen in someone's gardening life very often. Okay, so so the Leland cypress are grown, the raised beds are in. Okay, so if this pineapple ground cherry tomato is not available to anyone, do you have another um, plant that you're growing in your raised beds that you would recommend? Yeah, so I'm growing uh, pole beans. You can get the bush beans that stay low, but I love putting in uh, these pole beans and watching them climb. I used to make these little tents, little teepees before I even had a kid. Was- and then what would you structure your teepee with? Like bamboo or? Um, yeah, so bamboo, which is what I was just trying to think of. So yeah, I'd make a little bamboo little tent, you know, tie it up at the top. Um, so in the raised bed, what I'm going to do, and actually I got this tip from Decorating Tips and Tricks. Um, I am going to I think you were talking about your um the the structure you got from Walmart I think the metal one. Oh yeah, the yeah, arbor. arbor. Yes. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an arbor out of bamboo leading from one raised bed to the other and it's going to be an arbor connecting the two and the pole beans are going to grow up and over that arbor. And then in the other end of my raised bed, I'm going to do the same with the cucumbers. So I feel like I have these two raised beds that are four by eight. By doing these arbors, I feel like I'm I'm going to create yes, a whole yes. other growing area above. And you'll be able to walk through it. And then um, this is the first time I'm planting in raised beds. Um, what happened is I used to have a deer problem. So the deer used to come in the backyard and eat everything. A lot of people that we talk to have deer problems. A lot of our listeners. Yeah. So I finally put up six foot fencing around the whole yard. And even though the deer can jump over that, if you make the fencing tight together so they can't see through it, they're not going to jump over it. They'll never jump over into something that they don't know what's behind it. So if you make space between the fence and they could see, they're going to jump right over that six foot fence. Um, So it took me a long time to figure that out. Are you a, are you a deer whisperer? How did you figure that one out? Uh, trial and error because I first started with the lattice fence and they were jumping okay. over it. So then I put in the solid fence. So I'm really excited. This is my first year with the raised beds. And if you're going to do raised beds, um, just did it out of wood 
And, um, but don't forget on the bottom to do like a mesh, you get this rolled mesh that's like quarter inch little squares and you put that on the bottom and this way the moles and the voles can't get in. Very simple. Yep. Yep. And ah, I filled that with uh, compost and um, little side note, Kelly and I are both composting now. She's got a nice uh, container and I'm doing it straight in yeah. the ground. Um, I did get a big bucket of worms, for composting worms from somebody. So I'm you are a lucky girl. I'm going to have to order my own worms. I know. I know. The little things. Jill is also a yard seller and thrifter of epic renown. So do you have any tips for everybody? Because I think most of our listeners really love to shop that way. They are treasure hunters. And so I wanted you to give them a tip and maybe share with them one of your best finds ever. Oh, there's so many good finds. But so um, we are out in this little bubble out here in Sag Harbor, the Swanky Hamptons. And there's a lot of um, nice homes. And but you know what? The truth is, I've had my best scores at homes that aren't so nice, to be honest. <laughs> I find that no, really, because the the nicer the home, it's fun to like, it's like going on a house tour, you get to go in these beautiful homes and these beautiful grounds. But a lot of the nicer homes will have professional companies running their yard sales or their house sales, and they know the value. So either they've taken out the good stuff or they've researched it and they have like, they know the prices and the value. You're not getting any deals. There. You're not getting any deals in those big homes. You might get some beautiful things because they have good taste, but you're not getting this, this, you know, you're not getting your you know, your couch for $5 or your teak furniture for $5, like I did. But um, yeah, <laughs> just as an aside, like I did. <laughs> yeah. So the, the what I do every weekend, and obviously, COVID has put a stop to this, but um, you get the local paper. Now it's online, but I used to get the local paper and I used to look up um, yard sales and um, would map out my route. Like, where am I going first? So you want to go to the ones that start the earliest because you're going to get the best finds the earlier you get there. There, And I definitely get my best finds when people are having their own yard sales or um, it's an estate sale. And it, um, unfortunately, someone passed away and like people are taking over the house and they really just want to get rid of things. Get rid of the stuff. Didn't uh, we used to get the paper after going out clubbing and then go straight to the yard sale. Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. That would be the early, early birds. Early and birds. Yes. yes. When I have yard sales, I clearly write no early birds because they will come at five in the morning and it's yeah. really creepy when it's dark out and people <laughs> are shining their headlights in your bedroom. <laughs> On the other hand, when I go antiquing, I've been to Brimfield, Massachusetts many, many times. With I go out at truck. Yes, with a U-Haul yep. truck and a flashlight <laughs> and my boots. And I even did this after being diagnosed with cancer. I went with a friend and I didn't know if I would have the energy. I was on chemotherapy. After 14 hours, she's like, Jill, I have to go back to the hotel. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see you there. Come pick me up in like two hours. But you literally get out on the fields at 4.30 in the morning with your flashlight 
um, a lot of these people are setting up, they're sleeping in tents next to their, their tables or their stands. And you go with flashlights and watch the sun come up. And um, oh, I sure hope Brimfield gets back rolling and Round Top and my beloved Rose Bowl flea market. I mean, COVID is definitely putting a big hurting on that entire industry and it's very sad not to be able to do that because it's kind of like a sport for us you know those of us who love this sort of thing and I kind of feel like I want to get back out on the field so to speak right (laughs) literally and figuratively it's it's a I think you have, we have a gene. It's called the collector's gene. Oh, speaking of collecting, I wanted to talk you to talk to people about some of your collection. So let me just set the scene. Jill's got this very, very cool house uh, in Sac Harbor, and it's kind of modern, you know, And but she's incorporated all these wonderful vintage finds and uh, different periods and different textures. And then she's had collections throughout her life. Some have grown to epic proportions. But one thing you collected that I always really admired, and I loved how you had it on your mantle, is the Roseville ceramics, uh, pottery, I guess, right? Yeah, pottery. It's from Roseville, Ohio. And there's... um so I started collecting anything Roseville and some of it is very florally and you have to be very careful because there's a lot of copies out there now, a ton of copies. Um, but then I kind of zoned in on this one time period, the arts and crafts period between like 1905 and 1910. And the pottery is called Mostique and it's very different from the other Roseville pottery. Um, so would that be kind of like a pattern? Like if it was China, would it be considered a pattern? So if it's Roseville, Mostique? Yeah, Mostique is the pattern. Yep. And it happened to be produced during the arts and crafts era. And so what happened, and they like they would make the same vase, but they would make it in all different sizes. So it was really fun over the years to collect all the different sizes um, from this tiny little four inch one to you know this big huge standing um vase with the planter on top and it started getting harder and harder to find it because people that were collecting arts and crafts furniture um were buying up the mostique pottery to go with the furniture these are people that weren't really even into pottery they're more furniture collectors um people that collected stickly furniture um would collect the mostique. And I have to say, I haven't seen a piece out there on a field or at a, you know, I barely ever saw them at yard sales to begin with, but always at um, these multi-co-op dealers or on antique fields, that's where I would buy them. And I, I really haven't seen a piece in a long time. And think about it, they're made in 1905 to 1910. They're going to start breaking and just getting lost. So I have a big collection. It's funny. I was just down in my basement. I have some a bunch of planters down there. And I was thinking, and they're they're valuable. They have an, a very nice value to them. But what good are they doing in the basement? So I just started thinking. You really must be listening to Decorating Tips and Tricks because that's what one of the other things we talk about all the time is use your stuff. You know, even if it's yes. even if it's the, your china or your silver, and now we're talking about these special planters. Bring them up, Jill. Yeah, I have my grandmother's silver in my closet. I've never used it. I'm still waiting till I grow up, I guess. 
<laughs> well, that's never my elegant happen. dinner parties. <laughs> I know, and I, like I don't have the right china and dishes to go with her fancy silver, but I should mix it up. Like I mix everything else up. Just put the fancy. Hello? Yes, the, the I know. Which leads me to another question I want to cover. How do you incorporate the vintage and a lot of the salvage that you find into your decor? Do you have a couple of tips for a while? Everything had to be vintage. I mean, I was a purist. Everything um, had, and I think almost everything in my house is from a yard sale or from uh, an antique market. But uh, about four years ago, I moved into a new apartment in the city. And it was the first time that I ever bought new furniture. And I was like, wow, this draw glides really (laughs) nicely. It opens and shuts. I don't have to like, hit it with my hip and knock on it three times right. for it to I'm open. I'm not worried about termites. And I was like, this... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is, well, yeah, there's that too. Like I stopped a while back. I stopped buying anything that was in the city. At least I wasn't going to buy anything that was fabric because of bed bugs oh, yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So back in the day, I uh, did some nice uh, dumpster diving in the city and I would find amazing things, but um, I've matured since then. <laughs> Um, so I'd rather have someone else go in the dumpster, put it in the store, and then I go buy it in the (laughs) store. But, um, I'm very eclectic, so I like mixing it up. And I've heard Kelly talk about the magic number three. I never just put, like, two pieces or four pieces. It's always three or five or seven or nine or Mm -hmm. twelve. Um, I've, I have a collection of teapots above, really, any space. That I have, like above my cabinets in the kitchen, I have a 1950s teapot collection. It takes people a while after they're in my house to notice it. And they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. And it's just all these great, I'm not a pastel person, but that's all different pastel colors. And it's all 1950s. So I bought a few different pieces, like with these nice cozies, these teapots with cozies from the 30s or 40s. It doesn't go. So I stick with the 50s there. But then I have the Roseville Pottery, pottery that's 1905 and 1910. So I kind of keep each era sort of together. because well, yeah, you're displaying your collection on moss, and that really does make a big impact. And yeah, I mean, people, the only reason people wouldn't notice your teapots right away is they're taking in all the other fabulous things and the finds and all the unique things you have in your house, and they're up higher. So, right? so. Yeah, I think everything I have is whimsical and has a little, I'd say like a sense of humor. It's very interesting to walk around my house and look at all the different things. Um, I I collected things from the medical world. I have like in my bathroom, I have these um, old teeth, I guess, from a (laughs) dentist office. And you open it up and I have a bar of soap in these teeth. So, you know, think outside the box, buy something that's interesting and use it for something totally different. I love that. Yes. Go down in the basement and get those planters now, please. It's really bothering me that they're down there. Use them. I need to use them. Yes, you need to use them. When your seeds get bigger, maybe you put some of them in the planters. Um, Hey, so Jill, I asked you what comes to mind when you think of yourself as our first kickoff question. And... When I think of you, this is what comes to mind. Fearless, caring, creative, funny, principled, and a really good dancer. And I am absolutely blessed to call you friend. And this has been so fantastic. I am just 
beside myself that you took the time to talk with me here and that I get to share my dear, 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 dear friend with my listeners who I all consider all of them to be friends too. So I think it's just so fun when you can connect someone that you really love with other people that are in your life and let them all get to know each other. And so I'm so glad that we got to do this today. Thank you so much for coming by. And as Jill mentioned, if anybody wants to know more about the science or more about um, NYC Botanics or more about Jillery, then you can reach out to me and I'll connect you with Jill or maybe we can put a group together and she can talk to um, you know several of you at one time about one, one or more of those topics. So thanks again, Jill. And uh, I hope we get to do this again. Thank you for having me. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay, so we are now going to slide into Anita coming on, and we're going to talk about our hot topic, our crushes, and our listener question for today. We have such a fun hot topic today. I'm oh. definitely going to do this. Oh, me actually, me too. I already told Evie, I said, pick out yours. And this is so fun for me because it's the old, what goes around comes around. Or, you know, everything old is new again, maybe is a better way to phrase it. And this is an article from the Wall Street Journal, and it's paint by number sets are back. And did your mom have a paint by number set when you were a kid? Did my mom do it? No, I had them. Oh, you had them? Well, and my mom did them. But see, later on, my mom became a pretty talented painter, an uh, oil painter. And so she would do, you know, real paintings. But they, she started out with these paint-by-numbers. And that really whetted her appetite for, you know, the real thing. But I but I remember saying, yeah, she's done a lot of pretty large uh, canvases. Yeah. No, I knew she was an artist. I didn't know she got her start in paint-by-number. Yeah, paint-by-numbers. <laughs> and they were around the house. Just like Van Gogh. Who well, knew? I was a kid. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, the same. But I was a kid, and I didn't really think anything of it. It's just like, that's what's on the wall in my house. I didn't really have an opinion one way or another about it. But then as I got older... Uh, Boy, then... did you develop some opinions about yeah, what was Oh, yeah, on the wall. I know. Well, you knew it was coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, then people were making fun of them. And I was like, oh, that's that thing that my mom had hmm, on the wall. And I thought, well, I guess that is kind of, uh, you know, juvenile compared to like a real serious landscape painting or whatever. But now they've been reimagined. You can do the old style ones uh, or you can do something super cool. They now have customizable ones. So you, I'm assuming the way it works, I haven't done it yet, but you can upload your own photo and they will make a paint by number of your photograph, which I think is so incredibly exciting. One kit I found is, now these are not customizable. These are just some that are already done. But there's a kit for the William Morris uh, Tree of Life wallpaper. Have you seen that? You know, I saw about? that one. Yeah, so I clicked that, through. That is a paint by number. I thought that would be super fun to do. And it's wallpaper, so you know it makes sense for it to be paint by number. And then the other one I saw that I really liked, and this one does look kind of like the old timey ones a little bit. It's called vase, or it's not called this, but it's a vase of lilacs. You know, a lot of people are doing puzzles right now, mm-hmm. but I just cannot justify spending that much time on something that then you look at it and go, oh, that's interesting after you've spent, you know, weeks of your life putting it together. And then you just crumple it up and throw it in a box. I just, I can't make myself do it. But this, you would have something to show for it at the end. Yes. I always want to have something to Me show. Me too. <laughs> Me too. My crush is 
a mask tutorial, but a super easy one. And I thought really, really creative in the sense that it repurposes things. How to make it out of old t-shirts. And it's this lovely British woman. And um, she has an Instagram. And I believe that's where I got this from. So I have the link and I'll put it in the show notes. But it's super simple, no sew. And she's just absolutely charming. And she's doing it in her sage green and lavender kitchen. Anita, you would just love the kitchen. Uh, And um, they do rent this lovely place that they're staying in now, their chateau. It's the Chateau Victor Victor Lacoste. And so that's her Instagram. So I'll link the Instagram as well as the tutorial. Where does she live? Well, they're in France, but she's Are they in Lacoste? I don't know if that's their last name or that's where they are. Because we stayed in Lacoste and it was... Just so amazingly beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in the entire world. Wow. Yeah. Really beautiful. Uh, And so what's your crush? Uh, uh, Well, you know, I've been making a lot of homemade bread lately. God, just stick it to me again, why don't you, lady? And I hope, did you see my bread on Instagram yesterday? I did. I could smell it. It it looked really good. (laughs) (laughs) So I baked it in one of those bowls that has the I don't know what you call it rattan or wicker whatever so it it had the pattern on the top like a real French boule um so anyway that's not the point the point is you need soft butter to put on this warm bread as Uh, it comes out of the oven uh, and I am tired of getting so this is my deep problem in uh life right now is my butter is cold and I've got warm bread and it just, you know, wow. it's just, it's you know, a I mean, we know there's suffering everywhere, but not like to that degree. Well, I, I can't know. believe it's, what you're going through. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I knew you would feel my pain. And I started thinking, isn't there something that you could have that you leave your butter out? I just kept remembering there was something that you put your butter in and you leave it out and it stays soft, but it kind of, uh, it's kind of protected, I guess, sealed off or something. And then I remembered it's these, uh, they're the French butter bells or a butter jar. Or oh, I feel paper. a collection coming on. French no, butter bells. Well, no, it was a brand new. I bought something brand new. But I did the Emile uh, Henri, which mm-hmm. is a French brand. Uh, but it's it's ceramic or pottery. And so it's a basically like a, I don't know, like a, a, a ceramic jar, I guess. And then it's got a lid on the top that has a bell underneath. Now, when you pull the bell out or when you top, pull up the lid there's butter underneath in that bell but when you push put the lid on and the bell goes down it goes into some water you have a little bit of water in the container it sounds like a magic trick well so the water seals it off so your butter is going to stay nice and fresh wow so your butter is submerged no the well the, the the bell is submerged in the water but there's a little bit of gap between your butter and the water Wow. And now, see, you could just take the butter out in your butter dish and leave it on the counter until you're ready for your bread. But, well, but it's not going to, that doesn't seal but it's the not water the same. out. That doesn't, sorry, that doesn't seal the air out completely. This seals the air out completely because there's a water seal on the bottom. Those French. I know. And so now you do have to change the water every three to four days, but you know, I'm making fresh bread every day. Again, and- she sticks it to me. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I need lots of. 
I'm just going to say something quick, but I'm not going to go into detail about it right now. I will yes. tell you all next time. Mm-hmm. But I don't need bread because I'm paleo. Oh. Drop the bomb. Drop the mic. Well, I was. Drop I, the carbs. I, drop the sugar. Yeah. No, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty paleo. But I've just kind of during this time. Oh, I can't hats, go out. You know, I'm, hats off to you. You know, I've been paleo. Yeah, I mean, I we kind of got off of the bread for a long time, but now I'm back on a little bit, but it is gluten-free. But it is still a grain. I agree. Well, I'm not going to tell you why, but that was, I'm sure, just a big surprise that I've gone paleo, but I'm only trying it. We'll see how it goes. But I'm not talking about it anymore until I've done it for a little bit longer. <laughs> right. And well, we're not having, right. And so I should say, I make a very small loaf every day. And so normally it's like one not so big. So we all get one or two kind of small slices of bread a day. I mean, so I'm not talking like if you're talking about a regular slice of bread. I'm not I'm not carb shaming you. I know. I'm it's just, like, it's I'm probably, just saying. It probably turns, it comes out to be like one slice of bread okay. a day. Anyway, which is all more right. than, anyway, more than I've, yeah, we'll see how long we keep this up. But I need the butter that is spreadable. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you might as well have damn good spreadable butter. All righty. We've got a great question. Ashley M. wants to know, do we have a good online source for draperies? It's a lot of online sources being needed. <laughs> I like online sources all the time, but now we definitely need good online sources. And I find draperies a hard thing to purchase in a store anyway. There are very few stores that actually carry a big selection of draperies. So online is probably a good place to get draperies. Of course, you want to get your swatches. So I am actually in the market for switching up the draperies potentially in my master bedroom if I ever get to have it painted, if I can ever have a painter in again. So I was exploring this a few months ago, Ashley, and Lynn Clark came up when I was searching a particular fabric that I wanted. And wow, does she have a beautiful online storefront? She does custom draperies and other kinds of custom work. So I would highly recommend you check her out. I have not purchased anything from there. So I can't tell you firsthand, but the reviews seem awesome. And she has very high-end, gorgeous, gorgeous fabrics. Wow. Mm -hmm. Another one for sort of more uh, solids and nice linens with the seal that tells you it actually is honest to goodness Belgian linen is barn willow or barn oh, yes. and willow yes. yeah they're i didn't know if they were still around because i heard a lot about them several years ago i guess when they first uh, started their online business and they were working with a lot of bloggers so when we got this question i checked into it and yes they are and not only are they still there doing draperies but they're also doing roller shades and different things like that a large selection you can always go to blinds.com uh, but somebody told me that they're not sending swatches right now. So I don't know if that's a problem across the board or. Um, but you can get swatches from Barn and Willow, I believe. But I don't know about Lynn Clark. Um, and then, of course, Ballard always has great drapes. Right. You know, sort say. of mid-range, good hardware. quality. Restoration yeah, restoration hardware. hardware. Mm-hmm. A pottery Barn, I have very uh, thin, purposefully thin linen draperies from there in my master bedroom now. And it's a lovely linen. But, you know, not all linen is created equal. So if, I don't even know if you're going that way, Ashley. But if you are, 
Barney Willow might be a good place to go because it definitely has that seal uh, that tells you it is genuine Belgian linen. And I have a post all about Belgian linen, like what is it and why is it better? So if that's helpful, I will link that in the show notes. And thanks so much for hanging out with us. And remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. We are so excited because this is the year of an even closer connection with you. Sign up for our insider emails at decoratingtipsandtricks.com to get the details on how to join Team DTT. Yep, Team DTT. Everything you love about decorating tips and tricks and so much more. More tips, more advice, more inspiration, more laughs, more us, and most importantly, more you. So add your email to our DTT insider list at decoratingtipsandtricks.com. You'll get the details via email. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Bye.